Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Uh, bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Tour de France podcast, episode 16. Uh, and what a day we have to tell you about. What a victory for Michael Matthews. But first, before we dive in into this uh, fantastic victory, uh, let me remind you that you can download this podcast uh, or stream it on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral, from our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, and of course, uh, from our lovely partners at Zwift, where you can join a ride on Zwift.com. But I'm joined, as I mentioned in this podcast, by Rob Arnold. What a day to have you in a podcast. Hi, Rob. Hey, I insisted I do this stage and you know the, know the reason why. I'll let well, you explain. You called it for two or three days ago. You say, I want to do Rodez because Matthew is going to win. Guess what? We're in Rodez. And you won. How pleased are you? Uh, yeah, actually, I was, I was screaming at the television for the first time. Yeah, I, I was next to you. Yeah, <laughs> it was good fun. I mean, I think he paced himself well. The team knew that he was on. They came off the win in uh, in stage 13 in Foix from Warren Buggy, and now Michael's uh, basically gone and done what he said he would do. Um, I've been talking Michael up for the whole tour. I've been doing columns about him and, and interviewing him and Luke Roberts as often as I can, and it's because he's a guy who generally tends to deliver on his promise and uh, when he's not injured he can come through and he's done it well today he's done it in fine style i love that victory salute i love the casual nature of it with greg van avermaet speeding in up uh, behind him and, and getting close but not close enough it was fantastic to see uh, let's have a listen to michael matthews after his win i think there's a few different words relieved happy amazed uh i think there's a few few really nice words that i could say but um yeah in the end, I'm just super happy to, to get this win for the team. We've been, uh, we've been working so hard this whole Tour de France and uh, yeah, now to get two in a row, that's, um, yeah, I don't think we could have asked for a better two days, really. So that was Michael Matthews after his win. I mean, he's pumped, Australia is pumped, you're pumped, I'm pumped. Uh, what else can we say? A win makes a massive difference, doesn't it? I remember just seeing him the other day when he came in and he had a sprint and uh, he, he, he basically muffed it up and he, he came across the line, he was demoralised. He was very upset and I waited and waited at the team bus for him. He went and did a lap of the block. I think he tried to calm himself down, but he, he, when he did turn up at the buses, he was in tears. He was just really beside himself. He, he was whispering to journalists. He didn't have really any answers. He was frustrated. He could see that the yellow jersey was slipping with from his grip and uh, you know Kittel had won another stage and, and Michael had finished 13th and he was just really burdened by the weight of that um, the expectation that he'd put on himself and what happened in Rodez is going to free him of all of that angst and the frustration and uh, and, and it's going to be good for the soul I, I, I can genuinely say that we're going to see a lot more Mark, of Michael Matthews as we race towards Paris now we can say Sunweb is having a pretty good tour, you know, uh, Bargill came really close, then he won, he's got the Polkado jersey, now Michael Matthews, it's been pretty good, uh, good couple of weeks for them. That's amazing, you know, for a Frenchman to win on uh, 14th of July is a big deal, for a Frenchman to be wearing the polka dot jersey is a big deal. Michael, let's be clear, he's still a second in the points classification and he's improved his position today in terms of point out points allocation. It's a different run into Rodez, so I think that they classify it differently. So 
so I don't think he's going to get maximum points for the stage, although he won. It's scaled based on the, the, the terrain, and uh, it's not a flat stage, so it's sort of fav it's the point system is, is structured such that the sprinters get a bigger uh, slice of the pie, if you like. But uh, Kittle wasn't in the points at all today. Um, he struggled. We saw him dropped. That, that wasn't a good day for Kittle. It was a, no, it's, I think this is indicative of why the points classification is still very much alive. He's got a massive lead. He's won five stages. He's got a huge collection of points. But he, to win the green jersey, you have to make it to Paris. I don't think that he uh, is going to fade and not make it to Paris. But Michael, after today, is going to be buoyed. He's going to be motivated. He was talking the other day about maybe giving up on chasing the intermediate sprints. I know for one thing, he's going to be back there working as much as he did the other day when he went on the big attack and, and took the points in the mountain stage in the intermediate sprint. Um, this has uh, been a work in progress since the route was announced. I've, Luke Roberts and I were talking, we're very aware that it suited Michael Matthews. He's just that style of rider that you know when there is a climb at the finish. And this isn't just a little rise, it's a really steep, nasty pinch, you know, like you have to drive it to understand it. So it's not a stage for the sprinters, it's a stage for the, 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 the strong men, the Van Avermaet, Boas and Hagen and Michael Matthews. I called those three as being the first three in the, in the race and I stand by it. And I did a little poll on Twitter before the before uh, with about 50 kilometres to go, saying would it be Michael Matthews, uh, GVA or EBH, or a GC guy? And as you see, we've got those three at the top of the field, then Jay McCarthy in the top in fifth place, and then Chris Froome in the top ten, and back in the lead uh, of, of general classification. You mentioned it, two Aussies in the top five at that stage as well, because uh, McCarthy has written a pretty good stage. Jay's just one of those guys, he's just nipping at the heels of Michael Matthews, a similar sort of ilk. Uh, they, they can sprint, but it's really the tougher sprint that serves them well. Uh, I mean, Jay's had a, a, a good season. He was selected for the tour on a, on a team which was filled with superstars, and we know the story of the superstar who's gone home. There's, I think it's just it's, it's great for Jay's confidence to have a chance to go for his own win. If... Um, If Peter was here, if Sagan was here, then, then Jay wouldn't have had a chance. He would have been in with a lead out and Michael and everyone else who was sprinting for the win would have had a much tougher day. We have a new yellow jersey as well. Yeah, exactly. Or a new, uh, well, yeah. sort of new, but we couldn't have used, but Aru is not yellow anymore. A reclaimed yellow jersey. So it's quite worth referencing and I have done a couple of times in columns for SBS Cycling Central's website stating that since Sky started taking the yellow jersey at the Tour de France in 2012 with Bradley Wiggins, they never relinquished it until the the day when Aru took it. So um, there was just that little anomaly this year where we saw someone take it from Sky, but it was pretty evident yesterday when uh, we were racing to Foire, when the peloton was racing to Foire and there was zero support for Aru. Astana was a shadow of themselves from a couple of years ago when uh, Vincenzo Nibali won. They, back in 2014, they were all over the front of the bunch. They controlled it. They, they never looked like they were sort of going to back down. But uh, Aru's been forced to fight on his own. With a climb like there was at the finish today, one that, that, that did allow some of the GC guys to springboard up a bit, um, Aru had to be positioned well. He was terribly positioned. He was way down the back. Um, and uh, it's, it's a shame for the Sardinian, and, uh, and I feel for him. I think he's, you know, a likable enough character. But uh, I think that we're going to get used to seeing more of the Sky team at the front of the bunch. And I know a lot of SBS listeners sort of would prefer... <laughs> 
that, that not to be the case. They sort of are cheering the underdog or cheering a change in the dynamic of the tour, but we're back with Sky in the lead and we understand why. They control the race, even though we saw a lot of Sunweb and a lot of BMC racing at the front of the peloton today. If I can just add something actually on, on the BMC, it's interesting because we discussed in podcast before in a few um, uh, previous episodes about how did they have to regroup mentally. Uh, today is a stage where, you know, after losing Port and so on, they had to really get tough again. And today they did show some glimpse of, of really goodness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see why Greg van Avermaet suits that team so well. You know, when, when he needs them to rally, they really do. I mean, Richie's able to get them to, to come together as well and really uh, force the point. But there was a very strong showing from Sunweb. And, uh, I mean, it was a black and white and red and black peloton today. And, um, you know, we saw a fantastic effort from Thomas de Kent. We can't discount what he did. He's a machine of a man. He doesn't seem to ever look back. There was, uh, at the, towards the end, there was uh, a guy from Contusha who was on the move. And he was looking around and he was waving guys through and he was gesturing and doing this. Thomas de Kent, meanwhile, just sits there. He's, he's steady, he's planted. He looks super strong always. And he was able to hold off the peloton for a long time. It's, I think there was a little bit of panic from BMC and Sunweb but in the end those two got first and second absolutely cracking stage well we take a short break and then when we come back we uh, talk to Hank Vogels how much do you know Hank? I've known Hank a very long time <laughs> have you covered him as a, when he was a racer? yeah exactly I mean it was Hank that um, helped cement my love of cycling I mean when he was uh When he was challenging in Roubaix and came 10th and came back to Australia and he stayed at our place and he talked about making his Tour de France debut and I booked my flights and I, I joined him in 1997. There we go, well, that's, uh, that's coming up in a second. Thanks, Rob. You're welcome. Okay, we take a short break and then uh, when we come back, we talk to the man we love so much here at SBS, Hank Vogels, straight after this. We've been talking about Zwift a lot as a sponsor, but did you know it's available on PC, Mac, and iPhone, and iPad? That means it's super easy to get on with just your trainer and your bike and your phone if you want to. That's pretty cool, and it's pretty simple. It makes it a lot easier just to get started, which is often the hardest part. So get started and check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. What a pleasure here to be with Hank Vogel. Hi. Hey, mate. How are you? It's good to be here in France. It's good to have you around the, the, whole, pod, uh, the whole podcast, the whole uh, uh, SBS crew. Uh, it's like you're coming home a bit. Yeah, it is. This is my third Tour de France with the SBS crew. Uh, last year I did the whole tour, this year just the second half. So I'm coming in with some energy and, I mean, it's been a long Tour de France already. You know, we're already uh, stage 14. So, um, you know, I love hanging out with the guys from um, SBS. Tomo's one of my mates and Catherine's, uh, you know, an angel. And I race with Robbie and and also Dave McKenzie, half my career. So I know them very, very well. So it's a great little team to be part of. So, um, and you know, I try and bring my, you know, my persona and, you know, my expertise and experiences and everything else to to the fore uh, for SBS. So, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, I've been there and done that. So I'd like to bring it on. How much is it, um, I don't know, lovable or you, you like as, as, a, as an ex-cyclist to be still part of, of the whole circus? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly strange to be on the other side of the fence. I mean, when you're on the other side, it's all about suffering and winning and losing and getting to the finish and surviving. Here, it's more you're trying to capture the whole story from, you know, the, the time the riders wake up to the time the, the riders go to sleep and, um, you know, all the quirky bits and pieces. And, um, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's certainly it's enjoyable and to 
you know, most most bike riders when they finish, they either go behind uh, a race car as a DS or get in, get involved with the press or the public or the journalism. Uh, or, or in business, so I've actually done a couple of those things. I was a director sportive for five years, so Russ Velo, you know, Drapak v Australia. So um, you know, being a pro, then a director, and then in the media. So that seems to be a natural progression for these guys. So um, especially ex-pros, you know, they want to be involved in the Tour de France, and, and not just the Tour and cycling in general. Absolutely, you rode the Tour de France in a French team. How was this? Is, is it more pressure? No, not necessarily, and um, I did the 97 and 99 Tour de France with uh, L'Equipe Gann and L'Equipe Credit Ecole, so uh, Roger Leger was the boss, um, he was a great guy, um, um, but I must say that the French just wanted to look after themselves and they didn't give a crap about anything else, and you know, when you had O'Grady going for the, uh, the yellow and the, and the, um, and the green jersey, Um, you know, they didn't really care, so we had to take care of ourselves. So not really much pressure on that, you know, they get pissed off if we didn't make the break one day, but, you know, we were going for the green jersey, racing against my now work associate, Robbie McEwen. So, you know, we butted heads many, many times in bunch sprints, and I can remember one in particular in Bordeaux where um, there was some crashing involved, so don't, don't mention the war. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you still share that, that sort of uh, camaraderie, even outside the Tour de France? Yeah, yes, yes and no. I mean, guys drift apart and they reconnect in this sport that we're in. So, uh, I, I, for instance, they guys caught up with Nick Gates last week on the, uh, on the Gold Coast and did a ride with him and his young bloke. So, um, But yeah, I ran into Stuart O'Grady this morning after the start and he was with the touring group and that's what I did last week as well with Velo Tours and um, so it was good to just uh, have a chat with him because we used to live in La Barcelona, just outside Toulouse, so you know that was that was cool and and uh, coming back to this region in France really really brings back some awesome memories. It's a nice way to start your Tour de France this year, somewhere you already know. Yeah, and you know what, um, I think we're going to be fantastic, we're going to have some great results, so that's pretty cool, and um, this area for me um, was great training, and um, and I used to love these kind of stages, you know, the ruler, classic guys, are, you know, having a crack on the uphill, I, I remember racing against Frank Vanderbrook in one of the stages, uphill, uh, you know, rest in peace Frankie, but um, these are the stages that I loved. Is there part of you that still think, geez, I'd love to be still riding? competitively, professionally? Not for one second. No, mate, those days are well and truly over. No, if I, the only thing I'd love to be doing is crits in the US. So those days of suffering, high, press, high pressure, high stress, are well and truly over. I see these guys, the only thing I really um, would love to be is that bloody fit again. But that's it. I, I have no passion whatsoever to race my bike anymore. I did that for 20 years. You know, 30,000 plus k's a year for 20 years. You know, that's almost, I've ridden to the moon and back, mate. So uh, it's, cr it's crazy and it's great to be part of it. But, you know, those days are gone. Okay, we've asked everybody on this podcast, if you have one pick for Paris, where do you see this unfolding in the next few days? Um, I'd love to say, I'd love to say we're going to see Bardet right, right away uh, in the Alp. And I think, The general public and everyone involved wants to see that, but uh, I think Chris Froome is just too good at the moment. Um, Fab Aru is good as well. I think we're going to have a good showdown in the Alps, but unfortunately those blokes couldn't time trial out of a wet paper bag, so Froome's going to put some time into them. They're really going to need to really offload Chris Froome. So, you know, the podium I see is going to be Froome, Aru, Bardet. Okay, cheers. No problem. 
Did you know that Zwift has hosted the first ever virtual Fondo? Yeah, it started back in March with the Maratona Does Dolomites eFondo, and they've since created a series of Fondos once a month for anyone to join. It's a really cool way to join a challenging mass start participation event that rewards competition. Everyone gets to ride at their own pace and try to set their best time. The first eFondo in Zwift had over 3,000 participants. Impressive. Check out Zwift for yourself at Zwift.com today. And of course, Advanced Australia Fair, because I'm back with Maka. Maka, this one is for you. <laughs> that is very kind of you. I'm, I'm, I say it with hesitation. Why am I, why am I saying it with hesitation? I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm very honoured that you've, you've thought of me in that way. Absolutely. Still is 4-1 for France, though. <laughs> I knew it. I knew there was something wrong with a Frenchman who doesn't drink wine. <laughs> I'm a snake. I'm a snake. I'm the French snake. But in all seriousness, I mean, Michael Matthews, we talked about it with Rob just earlier on, but I need to have your impression because you're an ex-cyclist. How happy, how pleased are you? I know you, you, like Rob did as well, but you pinpoint him for this race as well. Yes. Look, it's not rocket science in a sense because a lot of people would have picked Michael Matthews to win uh, that stage. Um, but you've I, did, I, did, I didn't in a, uh, in a tipping. <laughs> Who did you tip? I um, don't want to say. <laughs> no, Cummings. Yeah, so look, look he, he's still got to do it. It's one thing to be picked and be the hot favourite, and a lot of the times the hot favourite doesn't win because they've got that extra pressure of being the hot favourite. So to deliver, you know, is the next level, and he's proving that he's got great form. I tell you what, let's listen again to, uh, to Michael Matthews because he's, he's talking about the, the atmosphere in the team at the minute. Yeah, especially after Warren's win yesterday. He's, he's been riding super well. He's been, um, yeah, he had that really bad luck in, uh, in Romandy and now to come back and win his stage in the Tour de France, his first stage win. Um, yeah, it was, it was really incredible. We had, we had quite a hard day yesterday um, with a lot of uh, bigger guys in the race. So, yeah, we bring a, a pretty good lead-out team here, so for these guys to get through those climbs and then, uh, yeah, to do a really good work today, I think it just shows how motivated they are and how much they believe in uh, guys like me and Warren. And, um, yeah, to deliver me like that today after such a hard hard few days, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty special. I mean, somewhere but a minute, he just said it, but Bargill, him, they must be, yeah, the parties keep going on for them. We're going to have a truce, can't we? Yesterday, you were sort of rubbing it in my face with the French, two days ago, I should say, with the French national anthem. And now yesterday with Matthews, it's even keel. We, we, we'll have a, maybe, maybe we will have a wine tonight. What I'm going to say is I've got two passports in my pocket, so I'm, I'm doubly pleased today. Let's have a look at the stage coming up on SBS tonight. We're leaving Lesac Severac l'Eglise. That's going to be hard for you, actually, to say. Can you try? <laughs> Lesac Severac l'Eglise. Not bad. Close. Not bad. Not bad. You're pretty close, actually. But we are going to Le Puy en Velay. Uh, after a transitional stage yesterday, as we uh, discussed, this is going to be another one for the opportunistic rider. Oh, totally. It's got opportunist written all over it I, I know I've, I've said that a few times uh, in this year's race but this one is classic there's a category one very soon after the start that's the perfect opportunity for a break to go then there's a category three middle of the race there's a sprint intermediate sprint and then there's a category one about 40 odd kilometers from the finish and a category four so it's I don't think, I don't think, I say that with a disclaimer, <laughs> I'm meant to be the expert analyst here, I don't think it's a day for the GC guys, you never know, 
but I really do think it is a day for the opportunists. Okay, when you say it's not a day with the GC guys, uh, it's almost like the, the, the written book has been thrown out the window uh, on actually some of the tactics and stuff we see. So uh, maybe you're right, but uh, potentially uh, maybe Sky is going to have an impact on that race just to go and stomp it. You make a really good point. Yeah, I, I, it would, I would not put it past Sky to actually... Um, you know, just really go off, go off, off their charter of what we expect, what we've seen, and what we've expected, what we, what we've seen of them in the past, and what we expect of them. And when we say Sky, we say either Froome with the official tactics, but as Landa, uh, Landa, it's almost we can. Can I say he's a loose cannon for Sky? Oh, gee, you're, you're throwing these words out. It's my vocabulary. It's limited. <laughs> oh, my vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. you've learnt the, really, the good words to throw in, haven't you? I like it. No, but let's, let's just delve. Can we delve a little bit into Lounda? The rumours I've heard, they're, 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 well, I don't know. I don't think they're rumours because they're floating around the media compound here and the press centre, is that his new team for 2018 will be announced in August and it's not Team Sky. So... Go figure that one out. So are we going to test his, uh, his credibility towards Sky and maybe his attachment towards Sky or maybe uh, there's something else, something more? Because we saw him attacking where it's just a strange way. It's almost his wrong footing, Christopher Froome. He's wrong footing, Christopher Froome. When he attacked two days ago or, or the day before yesterday, that was a good tactic for Sky. Get Lander up those GC rankings. Get him closer. You might as well have uh, an A and a B plan to play with. But then it was Froome who was attacking that group trying to go across. So to me, the tactics weren't... They, they didn't play out exactly how I would have played them out if I was the director sportive in that car. So, yeah, watch that space. Can Froome do a, a tit-for-tat on this one? Maybe, maybe. Uh, look, I don't think the stage isn't hard enough. The stage isn't hard enough. So I'll go back to, I guess, what I said. I really do think it's a day for the opportunists. It will have to be Team Sky as a whole. But saying that, let's not forget last year in the crosswinds, I think it was into Montpellier, when Froome went away with Geraint Thomas and Peter Sagan and gained more seconds. So Froome is a real racer. But Sagan and Geraint Thomas are not here this year. That's true. So he needs a few other guys to help him. Maybe he'll go. Maybe he should go knock on Orica Scott's door. Um, Matthew Heyman, he'd be a good one. Drag yeah, Yancey along with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, the other fact we can say about uh, Le Puy en Volet, and I'm not sure you know about this fact, but uh, a few years back, Australia allowed France to export some lentils, the French-style lentils. They're also known by foodies as lentilles du Puy. They come from that area. But the fact is, a few years back, they also, the biodiversity or the quarantine people, they, they stopped importing those lentils once the market was established. So I'm not sure the SBS logo and the Australian flag will be extremely welcome. Uh, so maybe we have to lower down our Australianness. It's classic Australia, isn't it? The product was a bit too good and they went, oh, hang on a minute, we just better stop that from coming in. So now, so when we go into that area, you're going to put on, well, you've got the... I'm so French. Yeah, yeah, you've got the... Yeah, you'll just totally lose any Australianism I'm that you've got. Yeah, I'm helping them. I'm helping them, that's all. You'll go back to the red, white and blue um, colour-coded clothing. And what about me? What am I going to do? Just go, bonjour, bonjour. Uh, bonjour, ça va. And if they say, uh, do you speak English? I, I speak a little bit. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I'm lost. Please help me. I need to get to the finish line. But you know what? No, that's a joke. I think they're sure they love Australia. But that's a little fact, a little quirky fact about the area where we are heading to. Wow, that is amazing because I'm not sure, has the tour ever been to Le Puy-en-Velay? Yeah, he's been there five times. 
Oh, well, there you go. That uh, Obviously, the five times were prior to my 11 times working on the race. <laughs> Probably. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful town. It's a beautiful area. It obviously made an impression on me. <laughs> Are you really want to please those guys or not? <laughs> you know what? I better, put my well. shovel. I better put my shovel away. I think I'm starting to dig a few holes. So let's just, let's just get back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that stage, when you say opportunistic uh, rider, uh, do you have anyone in mind? You've got you to have to give me a couple of names. My Vokla. Thomas Vokler, why not? Um, all of that, Simon Clark for the Australians. Adam Hansen, Adam Hansen as well. And another one, Jay McCarthy. There you go. <laughs> one Frenchman, three Australians. I'm not biased. I know who I'm picking for my tips tonight. Ooh, who then? I'm not telling you. You'll have to find out. Probably Clarky. Yeah, Clarky's a good one. He's a, he does have to protect, help protect Rigoberto Uran, though. Uh, so that's coming up tonight on SBS. Thank you, David. It was, uh, as always, lovely to have you uh, around uh, this podcast. Thank you. I think it's, uh, you know what it is? It's brunch time. I cannot agree more, my cab. But before we go, uh, let me close this podcast uh, by reminding you that uh, you can download uh, this podcast or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral. Uh, you can also go on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral. And of course, you can schedule a ride on our lovely partner, Zwift, at zwift.com. This is it for today. And on behalf of the whole team here at SBS on the route of France for you, it's goodbye for now. Au revoir. Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.